Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey there, my name's Michael Laminato, and this is Race Day at the 2023 Dutch Grand Prix on Pit Pass F1. Pass F1 is brought to you by Evergreen Podcasts. And on today's episode, Max Verstappen wins his ninth consecutive race to equal the record set by Sebastian Vettel in 2013. But it wasn't straightforward for the Dutchman, who lost the lead to teammate Sergio Perez after a sudden heavy shower at the start of the Grand Prix and had to manage a red flag restart with five racing laps remaining to take the chequered flag. Fernando Alonso pinched second place from Perez in the closing stages of the race, while a penalty for the Mexican paved the way for Pierre Gasly to take a much-needed morale-boosting podium for Alpine. To wrap up a wet and wild Dutch Grand Prix, it's over now to your host, Chris Medlin. Right then, I have just about dried out and warmed up after the Dutch Grand Prix, which was chaotic to say the least, but it was thrilling at the same time. And that's what changeable weather can do. But this could be a podcast of giving credit where it's due today. And I'm going to start with the race winner. You've probably guessed who it will be, but whatever you throw at Max Verstappen, he just seems to handle it. I mean, this race had pretty much everything. With the race start happening with rain, drivers on slick tyres, the timing of the pit stops meant Verstappen was over 14 seconds behind his teammate Sergio Perez early on. And he showed incredible pace to close the gap. He was four seconds a lap quicker at times in the wet conditions as he reeled in his teammate. And from there on, once he made his next pit stop and had retaken the lead, he, he looked like he was going to cruise to victory. But again, the weather had other ideas and I will actually focus on the weather itself a little bit more in a bit. But even a late restart in wet conditions didn't end up threatening him. Fernando Alonso tried, tried all he could. He actually said, Alonso, that he'd spoken to his Aston Martin team during the red flag delay that we had later on. Again, I'll uh, touch upon a little bit later. But uh, during that period, he spoke to Aston Martin about, I'm sitting second, there's a chance in these conditions to win the race, but also there's 18 points on the board that we could do with. How shall I approach it? And Aston Martin were like, we trust you, go for it. If you're going to take some risks, we're behind you 100%. Uh, And Alonso did take those risks. He uh, said that he tried to line up his restart so that he was flat out on cold tyres through the banking to get a run on Verstappen. And he got a run on him, but not quite enough to be able to make a move. And Verstappen then eased away and had him covered. It's nine straight wins now for Verstappen, which really is an amazing achievement. He matches the record and can beat it next weekend in Monza. And it really would be a shock if he didn't beat it and didn't go on to extend it. Right now, he looks imperious. Uh, The car is so reliable. The team executes perfectly every time. You don't get any errors in the pit stops. You don't tend to get strategic errors. Uh, And when all of that comes together with a driver who is so comfortable in the car and at home in it, Uh, then it pretty much is an unbeatable combination. And that's what we're seeing right now from Verstappen and Red Bull. And the fact that Verstappen was not joined on the podium by his teammate, despite Perez leading early on, 
tells you all you need to know about just the level he's operating on and the fact that it is competitive enough behind Red Bull to make it hard to win a race or even finish on the podium. Now, the next bit of credit I'm going to give to is to race control, which might seem unusual because quite often they get a bit of stick, but not so today uh, after an extremely tricky day. Uh, But the handling of the weather was really very good, it must be said. There were no delays to the start of the race, despite rain coming in. There have been a few drops on the grid, but actually we thought there wasn't going to be any rain at that stage. So everyone was on slicks and the rain started to hit probably as the formation that was ending and it would have been visible on the radar to the FIA but they left the drivers to navigate it themselves and pit whenever they wanted because it didn't look overly heavy. It was going to be tricky and you were going to have everyone uh, piling into corners together, but uh, some drivers were able to not even make a pit stop and stay out on track on the slick tyres until it was dry again. So that kind of lets you know the level of intensity of the rain that they were faced with, but it did make for a challenging period and it really mixed up the race order. Uh, And I think it was the right call rather than delay it by five or ten minutes to allow the rain to hit and then see the conditions uh, and let people choose which tyres to start on in that case. It was just, well, the timing's unfortunate, so get on with it. Then later on in the race, there was an absolutely massive downpour that had been coming in for a while. And as soon as one car went properly off at turn one, and that was Zhou Guan Yu who aquaplaned heavily on intermediate tyres, then the red flag was rightly thrown. And you could tell as the radar picture again kind of was developing that this rain was going to be particularly heavy. Drivers were being warned of it. Uh, Esteban Ocon's race engineer said to him it was going to be massive uh, in terms of rain. And you got the feeling it could be red flag conditions. But once again, it was up to the teams to respond to the rain. And only when the rain became essentially too dangerous and there had been an incident that wasn't a necessarily a terrifying one. It, it was a driver aquaplaning at turn one, but the way the track is laid out, uh, it was uh, well handled by the barriers. But it was more that then you had a car on the firing line if anyone else was to aquaplane there and they had to stop the race. Then race control delayed the restart slightly too. And I'm actually going to give them credit for that because I think some people were getting a bit impatient and thinking we need to go racing right now. There was the chance for more rain to come in afterwards. uh, And there was a bit of a window where it's like, well, it'll definitely be dry here. So let's get going. But race control decided that they would wait to make sure the track was ready for just two cycle laps behind the safety car before a rolling restart so that we could go racing as quickly as possible rather than wasting too many of the eight laps that were remaining in the race at that time with cars running around to check visibility and, and actually dry it and clean up the uh, the track surface so i think that was a better way of handling it it also allowed a fairer outcome than finishing under safety cars they could have done uh, with Joe's crash could have just run around for eight laps behind the safety car while they tried to clear the car and repair the barrier and the fact that the weather would have been too bad but in that case Sergio Perez who had a pit lane speeding penalty uh, because he actually aquaplaned slightly into the pit entry hit the wall and then hadn't got the car slowed down enough in time for the pit entry or the pit limiter line that penalty would have proven far more costly and he wouldn't have had any opportunity to rectify it but in the end, it only cost him one spot to Pierre Gasly as he had a few laps to try and recover and was able to put a bit of distance between himself and the cars behind. Now, when a five-second time penalty for being less than a kilometre of an hour over the speed limit could drop you multiple positions because the whole field is in a train, then it does seem a little bit unjust. It's something that we saw with Carlos Sainz getting a penalty in Australia earlier this year and that race it also finished on the safety car in the end. So I think they did the right thing. It did mean that Pierre Gasly got promoted into third place because of that penalty and that was a great result for Gasly and for Alpine who really, really needed it. If we think of the year they've had some highs, Esteban Ocon was on the podium in Monaco 
and that came after the turmoil really of the criticism of the team in Miami just one race before well we had more turmoil didn't we just one race ago in Spa when Otmar Zafnauer and Alan Pemain left their roles at Alpine so with them going it was really a time where the team was actually trying to kind of close ranks and be like we're going to just focus on ourselves and not really make big proclamations or really expect too much in terms of results we just need to find our new direction and our new way forward so for the team to have such a big result with Pierre Gasly's first podium for them today was perfectly timed but also you know again adding to the credit where it's due theme the car was quick throughout Gasly took advantage of those early laps when the rain was hitting got onto the intermediate tyre quickly and catapulted himself up into the top four he also got a penalty for pit lane speeding so he had a five-second time penalty to take during the race uh, and still recovered from that to finish third and was quick in all conditions, whether it was dry or wet, the car looked quick enough to get on the podium too. So I think it was kind of a reflection of just how competitive this field is because whoever got themselves into a good position largely was able to hold on of those front-running to midfield teams. Uh, Kevin Magnussen and Joe Guanyu were two drivers that did also get themselves high up by pitting early on and getting into a good position to fight for points, but they didn't have the pace to stay there. Now let's reflect on Liam Lawson's day uh, as he made his Formula 1 debut and let's be honest, under really tough circumstances given the late call-up to replace Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, Lawson did a brilliant job to be frank he stayed out of trouble pretty much he actually got a 10 second time penalty very early on but it wasn't his fault Alpha Tauri called both drivers in at the end of the first lap for intermediate tyres as the rain was falling the right decision yes but it meant they had to double stack in the pit lane and the pit lane so tight here in Zambort that uh, Lawson being the second car in the line was then blocking the exit for Kevin Magnussen in the Haas so that was a, a 10 second time penalty for essentially impeding another driver but seeing as it wasn't his fault and it, it did put him on the back foot, he was then helped and kind of balanced out by the late red flag because that bunched the field up again. And then he showed what he'd learned in that final sprint to the finish. Uh, six racing laps happened on intermediate tyres and he finished 13th and was competitive. His lap times were good. He was racing other people. He ended up ahead of his teammate Yuki Sonoda because of a penalty for Sonoda himself. But it was a really, really good and mature drive from Lawson. He didn't overdo it at all. Uh, and he will have shown flashes of what Red Bull want to see. And I'm certain he's earned himself another go in Monza because Daniel Ricciardo had surgery today in Barcelona. It's going to be a good few weeks before he's in any position to try and make a comeback. So I'm pretty sure that Lawson will get the nod next weekend as well. And I want to finish today with a word on Williams because the race didn't quite come together for that team. But I want to focus on the team principal, James Vowles. He talked up the positive aspect of an eighth place for Alex Albon, actually being a few places below where the car should have been but for the timing of the red flag and safety car that came late in the race. Albon was running sixth then, he'd started fourth, and Valls was aware that he was likely to drop back and it was going to be tricky to hold on, but uh, actually very, very competitive and looked like he was going to pick up strong points out of the team's hands with the timing of the red flag that meant they lost a few positions. But it was around Logan Sargent I was really impressed with Valls. Sargent had a big crash quite early in the race, and I'll admit my first reaction was that it was driver error, that he just got wide after hitting a kerb uh, and then spun on, on the wet track, having been on slicks at that time. Uh, and in a sense, a bit of a repeat of what had happened in Q3 on Saturday. And the American admitted himself that he was actually too conservative early on in the race as the rain was falling and the track was wet, but he was on slicks because of what happened in Q3. So he dropped to the back of the field having started 10th. But it turned out it was a hydraulic issue uh, and when 
Sargent hit the curb before the corner he crashed at. He lost complete hydraulic pressure, which meant he lost power steering. And then he was a passenger, couldn't keep the car on the track because the, the steering wasn't responding and he was running wide. And once he was on the wet stuff, there was nothing he could do. Now, Vals has talked about rallying around the driver and really picking him up and rebuilding his confidence because it wasn't the driver's fault. And talked about how Vals himself makes loads of mistakes on a day-to-day -day basis, but they're well hidden compared to a driver. It was fascinating insight into his management style and it really helped Sargent's chances of rebounding next weekend knowing that he's got the team's support. And I think it shows that it's the sort of leadership that's really going to help Williams keep progressing as they picked up more points today and moved into a clear seventh place in the Constructors' Championship. And all of that's even before we focus on the fact that Williams have been targeting Monza as the race weekend that they could pick up a really, really big result. More points today on a track they weren't expecting to be strong. Going to a circuit they do expect to be strong. Really want to watch next weekend. Thanks very much to Chris Medland, who was in the Zandvoort paddock all weekend, bringing us the latest from the Dutch Grand Prix. You'll hear from Chris again later this season, but for now you can find him on social media. Just check the links in the show description. This weekend is the Italian Grand Prix, and you can keep up to date with all the action from Monza by subscribing to Pit Pass F1 wherever you get your favourite podcasts. And you can visit us at pitpassmotorsports.com. While you're there, check out the Pit Pass Motorsports blog, powered by Podium Life, featuring racing articles and motorsport industry news. My name's Michael Laminato. Pit Pass F1 is an evergreen podcast. Stay ahead of the pack with the latest racing news and interviews from the Hammerdown Racing Report, your source for regional racing action as well as the national scene. Every week, we recap racing action from all around Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan and cover national racing series from the world of outlaws to NASCAR. Plus, get all the latest racing news. Join hosts Scott Hammer and Ron Miller, along with different featured guests each week. From dirt to asphalt, we have you covered. The Hammerdown Racing Report, available weekly on your favorite podcasting platform.